Dads, and welcome again to another edition of the Dad Nation podcast. Happy New Year to you all, as this is the first episode of the the new year. My name is Jason Braun, co-host of the Dad Nation podcast, and uh, here with my co-host, Dr. Matt. How are you doing today? Happy New Year's. Happy New Year, guys. I'm doing great. Thank you, Doing great? How was... Christmas. Any any highlights? Uh, Christmas was good. One, you know, I had seven days off of work and out of the ER, so that was uh, just phenomenal that's, to get a long rest like that. That's uncommon for you. Mm-hmm. Um, to have all of my children together, my daughter, my two sons, my mom stayed uh, with us for most of the week, and just to have downtime with family, playing games, having fun, laughing together, eating lots of good food. Favorite gift. Uh, well, it's my favorite gift was, uh, that I had all my kids together. Um, just as we know, life circumstances, sometimes you can have uh, relationship conflict within your family and I won't go into long stories about it, but I didn't know if that was going to be the case coming into Christmas. Uh, but through my wife's obedience to some things that God called her to, we were all together and had an amazing time together. So that's better than any other gift I could have received. True. I would agree. Uh, we had all the kids home, which was awesome. Um, daughters from, you know, they're living in Michigan and Alabama. So that was so fun to, to, to have them back. But, um, as a favorite gift, they got me, um, this, uh, as you know, I'm a Michigan fan. They got me a, it's a Canadian flag in, but it's in maize and blue. Oh, wow. And it's, it's, uh, the reason that they make it is at their, they have so many Canadians that play hockey for University of Michigan that right. they fly this Canadian flag, maize and blue Canadian flag at their hockey games. And I saw it like on a picture or something. Yeah. And, um, I said something to a friend like, that'd be awesome. And he actually, I guess, texted my son and said, Hey, your dad said this to me. It might be a good Christmas gift. And they, nice. pulled, they pulled it off. It was kind of cool, but, it, um, that's so that's how they dominate in in that collegiate is. hockey. See? They recruit from Canada. S- they're smart. They I didn't know, what they're know that. Doing that's brilliant. Yeah, I know what they're doing up there. So that I wasn't expecting that one. So just those things are like just these little, just these cool little things. Where, sure. So yeah, got a. It's big though. I don't know Where'd where I'm going to hang it. it. I, it's still at home, but I think I have to put it on my ceiling or something because <laughs> I don't know. It's it's bigger. They're like, oh, it's bigger than we thought. Like it is. It's yeah, like, it's massive. It's kind of like one of these flags in here. Would Bridget would Bridget allow it to be on the ceiling at your home? Probably not. Probably not. Probably wouldn't go so well. Yeah. So it's probably gonna have to show up here somewhere in my right. little 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 It'll be cubby in the back camp office somewhere. But but, uh, but yeah, good Christmas and good. Uh, excited uh, to be heading. Well, I guess as the this recording comes out, we are in the new year. So yes, before the new year, as we're recording it by a couple of days. But uh, last month when this episode came out, we were actually doing a dad camp in Kenya. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I want to give a quick recap of those of you that are that are that have not listened to the podcast before. This is an extension of a ministry called Dad Camp and we're just on mission to build stronger fathers who build stronger families and uh, we primarily do that through creating what we call epic experiences for dads to have with their kids where we pour into dads knowing that when we pour into a dad and reach his heart that he's going to pour into his family's heart and so this podcast is an extension of that, and so we love to tell stories of the dad camp world. And, and so last month, we had a two-week trip to Kenya and Uganda, and uh, just 
it seems like all these 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 opportunities, I guess, just have these crazy stories. And so, really quick, my cousin from Canada, who's a pastor, uh, called me and said, "Hey, I I met this awesome guy, good friend of mine. He's been living in Canada for twenty years, but he's Kenyan, and they're gonna he's gonna take his whole family back to Kenya, and they don't really know." what they're going to do, but they just feel like God's saying, go back and give give God a year of their time. And so he's, so my cousin said, Hey, you might want to call um, my cousin that's doing a really cool ministry. And I think you might like it. And so he connected us. We had a couple of conversations and then I connect, connected him to our partner uh, in Kenya, which is Innkeeper's Ministry, Pastor mm-hmm. Julius. And, and I know, Matt, you've been there with me and right, right. know him. And so um, this gentleman's name was Dixon. And so Dixon took his family to Kenya. He got connected to Pastor Julius. They started working together. And then we went over a few months into his 12-month experience and got to meet him and do dad camp with him and share let him experience dad camp. Then he flew to Uganda with us for a week and continued to kind of understand just our strategy and how we do things. And, yeah. um, and just an amazing guy. And, uh, he's now like on fire. Like, this is what I want to do for the rem- my remaining time in Kenya. This is what I may want to do. Maybe God's going to say like, we can stay longer than the one year. Awesome. It might be a permanent thing. And so we're developing like a three year strategy right now with him and Pastor Julius. Uh, looks like next year, 12 or more dad camps in Kenya Wow! under their leadership. Yeah. Um, and then, so that was awesome. And then Uganda, we have our director there, Emma, and Emma, and his he's building a team. They believe they're going to reach 1 million fathers. And so it's uh, just to go there and to be a part of his team that he's building and to and, and to just see how God's using him there and for us to just support that and be a part of that. And uh, we did six dad camps over the couple of weeks that That's we were there. Amazing. And so it was good. Just It was a nice way to end the year. It was going into the trip. I was like, man, it's been, we just had, a, it, was, it was a lot this year, or this, you know, 2022, but yeah. in a good way, but I was tired and it was, you know, end of year and, but it was super encouraging to go. So um, wanted to share that. And uh, just thanks for those of you that have, that, that prayed for that trip. Um, and we are excited about, about 2023. So with that, this year, we're kicking this podcast off with a special guest, one of your good friends, Matt. Yes. And so I'm going to let you do the, the intros here, but um, Dylan Gandy, welcome to, yeah. to, to the podcast. We're excited to have you today, but I'm going to let, I'm going to let your, your brother Matt here um, talk you up here. Yeah, yeah. Just a little background. Dylan and I uh, just randomly met when our uh, his daughter and my son were in the same class at a at a school. I think it was preschool or kindergarten age. And um, just like God does, sometimes He connects you with other mm-hmm. men, and He grows a friendship uh, between you two. And that's what happened with us. And um, Dylan's just been a great friend of mine over the last few years and a man who loves the Lord, who's a true disciple of Christ and uh, walks that out as a husband and as a dad. And uh, he's got that typical story where I just keep telling him, go to dad camp. You know, it took me about two or three years to get him there, but uh, I got him to our uh, our fuel breakfast uh, last year and yep. he saw the vision and really could see what we were trying to do and then was able to take uh, his son Zeke to dad mm-hmm. camp. Uh, one of our Illinois locations over the summer and uh, had an amazing time. I'll let him talk about that. As a matter of fact, when I was at your house just now picking you up, Zeke says, hey, I went to dad camp with my dad. And I said, yeah, I know. You went to Illinois, right? He said, yeah. 
And he said, when Dylan came out, hey, Dad, we going to dad camp again next year? And so I applied the appropriate pressure and said, <laughs> yes, you yes, are, Zeke. You are. Your dad is going to take <laughs> you to right. dad camp next year. So it's not an option. Um, but we're just uh, really uh, honored to have you on the podcast, Dylan. Thanks for taking the time to join us. And uh, just we wanted to start with maybe just the listeners being able to hear a little bit of your story, a little bit of your testimony um, to get you know a little, get to know you a little bit here in the beginning. And before he jumps in, Dylan doesn't even, I think I told him this in Illinois, but um, I think, but um, you know, I knew, you know, I just met Dylan when at, at, at those events myself, but mm-hmm. I knew of Dylan because uh, of, of a family that was very close to me, um, the Stone King family in, in Kokomo. And so, uh, Carl Stone King, um, was a pastor with me at Oakbrook Church in, in Kokomo for, for many years. And for many reasons, I could say that the Stone King family were a huge part of God leading me and my wife into ministry. So, okay. um, amazing people. And, uh, but I remember when, when Carl used to say, Hey, um, got someone to cheer for. You got to cheer for. You got to cheer for Dylan, and I'll let Dylan explain the the connection sure. there. But um, Dylan, welcome, and we're just excited that you're here and and uh, to share a little of your story. And, and yeah, uh, yeah, thanks. I'm I'm honestly honored to be here. Um, uh, it's it's I've listened to your guys' podcast several times, and uh, I just love your vision. I love what you're trying to do. We need strong dads. Um, Amen. We need dads that are there. Dads that want to be a good dad, you know? And so I love what you're doing. Um, and, and I'm happy to be here today without a doubt. Um, yeah. So, uh, Carl Stone King is my wife's uncle. Uh Okay. Her dad's twin brother. And so a great guy, great family. Um, love, love all of them a lot. So that, that is a pretty cool connection. Yep. Um, yeah. So about me, I grew up in Texas. Um, I'm a Texas guy. Uh, I was born in the very Southern tip and then um, parents got divorced when I was like in third grade, which was, which was tough. Um, but one of the things that came out of that is my dad started going back to church. Um, hmm. cause he was raised in the church. My grandmother, um, just a solid godly woman who, you know, every time, and I spent a lot of time with her, but every time I was with her, we, you know, we were going to church and she was praying for us and, uh, all of that. But, um, yeah, my dad had gotten out of the church and started going back to church and, Man, it became his mission that my sister and I knew Jesus. Mm, um, that's awesome. And then about the fifth grade year, my mom moved us six hours away to the Austin area, um, which is kind of where I consider home outside of Austin. Okay. Um, and so every visit with my dad would be like, I'd be like, oh, gosh, here we go again, right? And so he'd spend hours just, just preaching to us. And, I mean, I'd fall asleep. I'd be like, oh, this is the worst. <laughs> Um, but eventually his, it, it started getting through and, um, I guess it was right before my sixth grade year. I was at a, at a church camp through his church and gave my life to the Lord. Um, and so it was just something I'm, I'm super grateful for my yeah. dad's influence mm-hmm. in that. Um, and talking with him, gosh, I don't know, just within the last couple of years, he was like, man, you know, I was telling him, telling him I'm, I was grateful and, and he's like, you know. Yeah, I, I definitely preached at you guys a lot. He goes, but what you didn't see was the hours praying, praying. you know, mm-hmm. and, and just mm-hmm. how much he prayed for for us to know Jesus. And so, um, yeah, I'm grateful, man. Um, very grateful. And it was one of those things where um, my mom was not a believer at the time. Okay. And so we lived with my mom, and my sister found a, a little church for us um, that we started going to. 
a friend of hers went there, and it was a small country church. So Sister's I mean, older or younger? She's older. A little bit yep, older. Okay. She's four years older. Okay. And so just just the two of us would go, you know, and then um, when she graduated, uh, I I would be there every time I could, right? Fridays, Wednesdays, Sundays, I was there. And, and man, they loved on us well, um, just, just the power that they had to influence us. And your mom was not attending throughout this no. time with you. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, but they, but they, I mean, they were like family to me, that church, uh, and, and, a, and a few different families there really poured into us. And, uh, I mean, they're people that we see every time we go back home, you know, um, hmm. my wife and I, when we travel to Texas, just cause they're, they were so in, influential. So, um, yeah, so there was, there was that, uh, that part of my life through middle school and high school. And then I also started getting into sports. Um, uh, middle school, I started playing football and, and that became something that quickly, uh, I started to like, um, and it, and it grew in my level of importance pretty high. And, you know, throughout high school, I just kind of kept getting a little bit better and better. And, and I was like, dang, maybe I can play this in college, you know? And, um, and I was very fortunate, um, ended up getting a scholarship to Texas Tech, uh, which was kind of my dream, not necessarily tech being my dream, but to play in the Big 12. Mm-hmm. Um, because the Big 12 at that point in time was a really good football conference. For sure. And I think we're climbing, climbing back, but, uh, <laughs> but, but it's been a down spell for a while. But, um, yeah, so I was super excited about that. Um, and it, it was when I got to college that I really started, um, going to Bible studies. Like in my church, I was hearing the word of God. Um, and I was being loved on. I was in, in community and, and uh, with with people, but I wasn't doing a lot of Bible study. I wasn't reading the Bible on my own. You know, it was one of those things where up until that point, it's like if I was going to read the Bible, I'd be like, I guess I'll just flip open and read here, right? Mm-hmm. Like that was kind of my my strategy. Um, and that can be okay, but I started really <clears throat> studying the Word and, and seeing what God, um, who He was, and and building that relationship and. Man, there were people around me that poured into me, um, that grabbed a hold of me, and and just really, um, I'm so grateful, you know. And and so, tech was a very influential time in my life when it comes to to my faith and just just growing in that while I was there. And and it was at that point I started seeing, man, God wants all of us, right? Like there's these other things that, you know, football, girl, popularity, image, whatever that are are taking away from what God wants mm. um, and just just being way too high in my value system. And mm-hmm. I was drawing a lot of identity from that. And so mm-hmm. through a series of events and injuries, um, God was like, hey, I, I want all of you, not some of you. And, and um, yeah, so I got to experience what that looked like to be completely bare before God and and um, say, okay, God, I want I want to give you everything. Yeah. You know? And so... Um, yeah, I'm I'm super like I said, super grateful for my time at Tech. When did so that spiritual journey at Tech, that development of your faith, was that um your sports community that it that event that that brought you in there or was it some somebody else or how did that happen because you don't I guess most parents probably wouldn't say or wouldn't think, yeah, I went to a state school Mm. And my spiritual life, like people came around me and it yeah. took off. Like right. there had to be some intentionality from someone or something there that, mm. for, what was that for you? Yeah. So it was, it was a, a group effort for sure, but there were older guys on the team who were, okay. who were really following Jesus. Okay. Um, awesome. And, uh, you know, loving, loving him well. And, and so they attractive to you. Yeah. And well, you know, I mean, just, it was one of those things where, um, <laughs> 
have some some friends of mine who moved from other places and came in and uh, were on an internship with the ministry I was involved in in college. They were like, man, it's weird. Everybody here says that they're, you know, they were taking surveys and, and dorms for freshmen. Everybody says they're a Christian and everybody says they want to talk about Bible study and stuff. But then when you go follow up, nobody wants to talk about Bible <laughs> studies. And so that's kind of the thing, right? Like it was, it was, I I was a follower of Jesus, um, mm-hmm. and but it was still one of those things where it's like, man, I, I love Jesus, but I also love all this other stuff, right? And so yeah. keeping myself in, in two different worlds. Mm-hmm. Um, Classic 18-year-old kid. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> but so I felt like I had to be attracted to the way that those guys were living. And the reality, I was as mm-hmm. well, but I was also attracted to the way other people were living too, mm-hmm. you know? Right. Um, but so I, I went to those Bible studies, and then... Um, a uh, guy named Philip Goff was on staff with uh, the Navigators. Um, there you go. And and man, he great organization. Yeah, love love the Navigators. It's a collegiate ministry um, that man they just poured into me big time. Um, and uh, like I said, the, the the discipleship, the Bible studies, the leadership training um, is really what what led to my formation in a big way. And all that's happening while you're playing a high level of college football. Which yeah. Is- yeah, man, I always said, um, you know, football for me uh, was kind of a catalyst to, like, I can't bury stuff as well um, because it took so much of me, especially after college. Um, it took so much focus, and and I had to completely be in it. And so if I was out of whack with stuff, like, I wasn't going to perform, right? So it made me deal with my issues and go to the Lord with stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, I was not – I wasn't – I wasn't – I mentally and emotionally wouldn't be able to do what I needed to do. Yeah. I want to I want to make a, a point and then ask you another question, but one thing that really stands out to me in your story is the the presence and engagement of your dad. <laughs> we talk about that all the time uh in Dad Camp and on the Dad Nation podcast, but I think it's important to point out, you know, even with your parents not together, even in a divorce situation, mm-hmm. he didn't abandon you. Yeah, he still stayed present and engaged in your life, and engaged in probably the most important realm was in the spiritual realm for you praying, and really impacted uh, the trajectory of your life in that way. What did it look like for you to sort of draw that line in the sand when you were at Texas Tech and say, you know, I've got sort of maybe one foot in, one foot out. I'm kind of lukewarm here. I do love Jesus, but I also love these other things. What did it look like? to have to stand and say, all right, Jesus, you have everything. There's nothing that I love more than you or that's more important than you. Was it difficult? Was it hard? Were there people that came against you with those kind of decisions? What did it look like? Yeah, I wish I wish I could say um, that it was this this strong man making this heroic stand in the line, you know, I choose Jesus um, boldly and, and strongly. Um, but the reality is it, it wasn't that. It was more of... Um, we have a jealous God, and I'm very grateful for it. Mm. Um, and so what he did is he saw me growing um, but still holding on to these other things, right, a relationship that I was in that, that was not honoring to God, and then just that that value that I'm finding in identity in, in football. Um, and those became the two main things that were idols in my life. And, um, man, God, God had the relationship end, uh, which was really, you know, it was really difficult um, at that point in my life. 
Um, and I was like, okay, finally I got to a point where um, I was like, okay, God, I give you this, right? And and then, you know, literally I was actually at a, an event for the Navigators, um, and it was like I had this big surrender moment uh, where I was like, I'm going to give you this aspect of my life. And then a freak accident happened where I dislocated my wrist and went to the doctor, and and he was like, you can't you can't play football anymore. And mm-hmm. um, and I was like, okay, God, you don't want just that. You want everything, right? And I, and I give that to you. Um, and so that's kind of how it was. Like he stripped everything away, um, hmm. so that I had no choice but him yeah. in my brokenness. And yeah. and I'm grateful for it. Um, I'm also grateful that it was just an ER doctor because you know those guys don't know much. <laughs> I know they really don't. They're in the danger zone. Um, <laughs> uh, and but you know my wrist was fine. I had surgery and it was it was good to go. And so I was able. God God honored what I did and, and allowed me to keep playing football, which I was wow. grateful for. That's awesome. In his in his love for you, he he decided to humble you in his own way or allow that humbling to happen. So it's awesome. Yeah. So take us to the next step. Sure. Yeah. So uh, man, I didn't. The NFL was never a reality in my mind. Um, it honestly, you know, wasn't even. Uh, I, I just wasn't even thinking about it. I, I was all about. I want to be as good as I can here. Mm-hmm. And I'm having fun here. Like this is my dream. And and I'd seen guys go you know, that I thought were way better than me in college and not make it. And I was like, wow, I'm sure I don't have a chance. And so um, summer before my senior year, I started getting a lot of calls from agents who were recruiting me. Um, and I was like, you know, I, I just kind of threw a lot of them away. I was like, man, get out of here. I'm not, you know, that's not for me kind of deal. I'll probably go into do an internship with the Navigators after college. And that was kind of my plan. But sure enough, it was it was those guys were were kind of onto something and ended up getting drafted to Indianapolis in the fourth round in 2005, um, which was a good time to become a Colt. Uh, yeah, there, there was a lot of good, <laughs> a right. lot of good happening. Um, yeah, not just were we winning games, but man, there were so many solid guys on the team. Guys that loved Jesus. Were you know we were being led by Dungey, who um, you know I always tell people when they ask about him, you know celebrities are never as good or bad as they look right and i was like mm-hmm. he is though like he's mm-hmm. he's so legit he's the real deal and he was leading us well and so man there were a lot of guys here um that just poured into me continued that um i was very fortunate to have such a strong community of believers here of, of strong men who are good men and loving their wild lives loving their wives look well mm-hmm. um some of them were fathers and and so yeah it was it was a good spot for sure and we won a lot of games you did win a lot of games, yeah, including one of the big games, right? One of the big ones, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Super Bowl, uh, nice. Super Bowl. That that year was a big year. Um, let's see, won the Super Bowl, got engaged a week later, married ten weeks after that, and so dang, yeah. I didn't want to wait another year, and and with our football schedule, it was like we need to do this now, or right. we're gonna have to <laughs> gonna have to wait. <laughs> so where'd so, you meet your wife? Um, so. Uh, her cousin was the one I was talking about. She actually went to Indiana Wesleyan, and then she was at Tech um, as an internship with the Navigators. And I was like, hey, I'm looking for a church. Do you know – I know you're from Indiana. Do you know anybody up here? And she's like, well, my cousin loves her church and, and you know, loves her small group and all this. So, um, yeah, so that was my wife. Um, and she didn't in a million years think that we would get together, um, not each other's type or anything like that, but – I just got to see her in, in that in that realm, and 
um, we became friends and, and I saw how passionate she was for the Lord and for people. And, uh, she's just, she's different in, in, in a great way. And so, um, it was a pretty, pretty quick trip. That's awesome. Yeah. 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 Shout out to Melly. You have an awesome wife. She is. She's great. Yes. yes. So when you got married in 05 then or 06? Uh, 07. Oh, seven. It was the 06 okay. season, uh, but we got married in 07. Yep. Okay. Okay. Yep. And then, um, uh, Ended up getting cut by the Colts after my third year. We had a year where we bounced around uh, a little bit and then ended up in Detroit for my last five years um, of my my career. So where, again, we ended up being surrounded by really great people. And, man, there's great people everywhere, sure. uh, people who love Jesus. And, mm-hmm. and so it was a good, good experience. And your last year then with football was 14, 15 kind of time frame? So the 2013 season was my last full season. Okay. Uh, and then 2014, I went to training camp with the Bears, didn't make it. And at the, honestly, at that point, I was kind of okay with it. Um, my, my youngest, Zeke, had just been born um, that May. Um, and so I was just, man, I wanted to be – I stayed ready, and I, and I would have been happy to make the team, but I was also like, okay, this is, this is okay to move on at this point. So mm-hmm. And so – Post football, you've moved back to the Indianapolis area. Yeah, so we ended up keeping um, after the after the year where I bounced around Denver and, and Oakland and some other places. Uh, we realized that I was like, okay, we're gonna have a home base. Uh, we're gonna keep it here because we've got community here, um, and then we'll figure out. Well, it wasn't we'll figure out. It was we'll move to Texas when when I'm done because that's okay. what Texas guys do. Yep. Um, but man, we just keep, kept building community. And, and so I, I was telling her, I was like, man, the longer we play, the more it's going to be difficult for me to leave, um, Indiana and because of that community. Um, yep. and so when it was all said and done, we came back and that, that, that was it. Our community was here. And, and, and so we were excited to be here. So what takes a lot of your time now? Uh, so I am a teacher and, and, and coaching is what I'm super passionate about. Okay. I love, love working with and impacting young men, uh, trying to help them grow into high school football. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, this year I actually took a step back from high school. My son is in seventh grade and so I wanted to help out with his team, my oldest son. And so, um, yeah, that was, that was a lot of fun. How many kids do you have? Well, we have four, um, just recently adopted our foster, who was our foster son. Um, and so uh, we're super grateful for that. That's been a, a heck of a journey the last mm-hmm. two and a half years that Matt and Jamie have been, yeah. been on with us. Um, and so, yeah, we, I mean, just, just a few weeks ago, uh, it became official. Congratulations. So, that's awesome. Yes, praise God for that. Yeah. Huge. I mean, that's a whole nother world, uh, the foster world. Uh, I always say to, those that are fostering and um, there's some of the heroes to me of, of this world. Absolutely. I mean, I, I always think of um, there's a time when my wife and I thought we were going to adopt. It didn't work out. Um, but I've always thought of those that have um, made those types of sacrifices that it's such a picture of, of God's, mm. I mean, he, 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 he adopts us, you know, we are yeah. adopted mm-hmm. sons and daughters of the King. Right. And so what, better way to reflect the heart of God than to adopt, you know, and then just to, to bring those that need to be loved and, um, into, into your, you know, into your family. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's, it's like, those are my heroes, you know, yeah. some of the heroes of this world, in my opinion. So that's an awesome way to go. Well, thanks. Yeah. It's been, it's been tough for, for sure, but God sustained us along the way. 
Um, and man, I tell you what, it's, 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 God has used it to teach us a lot. Um, and we just love the way that it has impacted our, mm-hmm. our other children as well mm-hmm. and, and how they've seen God through this. And, um, it's been pretty great. Yeah. And hard. Yes. Very, very yeah, hard. Yeah, so I was going to say, so hard. Walk, walking through that with you guys and, and, and praying with you and, and seeing that process over the last couple of years, just, uh, I would say it's one of the, the hardest things I could, I've, I've been a part of and witnessed and to see you guys sacrifice and go through that. Um, but it's so good. Mm. Uh, a lot of, a lot of good things from God are actually really uncomfortable, hard things. Um, and he just answered our prayers, uh, really here in the last couple of months, uh, for some miraculous things to happen. And, uh, he came through. Yeah. yeah. So good. So I know we're going to, we'll come back to Dylan and, and more of his, you know, his journey and, and through some of the things I think we'll touch on today with, with our little bit of our conversation. But we wanted to, you know, continue to jump into this conversation we've been having about the five marks of a man by uh, a book that's been written by Pastor Brian Tome from uh, church in uh, Cincinnati. And uh, the first mark, we spent a couple of episodes talking about that men have a vision. And uh, I'd encourage you to go back and check some of those out as we discussed what that looks like. Um, and then we started to, uh, we introduced the second mark of a man from his book, and that is that men take a minority position. And uh, we started uh, that conversation last month. And I, I would say that if you didn't listen to last month's episode, uh, the feedback that we've got from from several of of our listeners is that it was their favorite episode um, that we've had at the Dad Nation podcast. And uh, right. really, it revolved around uh, another guest that we got to be with last month, our, um, an- another great friend of ours and one of Matt's longtime best friends, Jeremy Robinson. So uh, I would encourage you to uh, to to check back or to look back and listen to that, but it was yes. more you know along the lines of uh, that boys just kind of go with the flow, mm-hmm. um, and men are willing to stand against the tide. And again, as we talk about boys and men in this conversation, this is not an age specific conversation, right? You know, as the book pointed out, as we've discussed, like there are fifteen year old men in this world, and there are forty seven year old boys mm-hmm. uh, yes, in this are. year, and Sadly, I think um, I think we see that there's far too many 47 year old boys mm-hmm. uh, out there, and the, and the destruction that um, that that causes um, in this world, and it's really what defines, I think, our ministry and what our passion is to to really, you know, you know, passionately communicate an understanding of biblical manhood and and uh, and fatherhood to. To as many as many men as we can, and so today we want to continue that 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 discussion on men taking a minority position with the idea that that boys generally they just want to fit in. Um, that's that's a boy. That's a boy's mentality, regardless again of age. Boys just kind of fit in, but men are not afraid to stand out. And uh, the example that 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 the book used, and I thought it was there's one thing that stood out to me, and then I'll 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 turn this over to you guys. But uh, he used Elijah as an example, uh, as a prophet that um, was willing to kind of stand against the tide and of the times in Israel and call things out for what they were. And he had a moment when he met with with King Ahab, and King Ahab just kind of said, as he kind of I think as Elijah came to him was like, hey, like you again, like leave mm-hmm. us alone, like. <laughs> Oh, you, you're just a, you're a troubler of Israel. Like you just, you know, if you just let us, leave us alone and stop accusing us and bothering us with all of your stuff. And Elijah just kind of turns it back on him and says, no, 
you're the troubler of Israel because mm-hmm. of how you've led this nation falsely. And it just got me thinking this whole idea of a troubler that, you know, being a troubler is not really, it's not a lot of fun. Like when you, when you're in that role of feeling like mm. you're standing against the tide, you're, you're not, you know, you're, you're, you're standing out for something that you feel, you know, that you feel, you know, that you need to stand up against. And you kind of feel like you're a troubler. You're causing people to feel uncomfortable. You're causing them to not like maybe what you're saying. And, and it's just being a troubler, you mm-hmm. know, is, is not fun. But there's times as dads, we got to be troublers. There's times as men, we have to be troublers. Um, and so it just is what it is. If, and that's, that's what men are, are willing to do. And, and in the book, the author, um, Pastor Brian Tomey says that, that the moments that mark us the most are often mm-hmm. those when we find ourselves in the minority and do something that goes against the flow. And the moments that we're most disappointed are when we often fail to do what we believed was right, but we didn't step up and do it. And we mm-hmm. look back and think, man, man, had I done the right thing there, I wouldn't have that, that disappointment that I, that I carry today. And then, and then, man, those, those moments that really marked me were those, some of those times when I actually stood up and, um, and challenged something that I felt strongly about and, and it really defined and informed kind of, kind of who I was. And so as I thought about that, Dylan, I was like, man, there must have been times in your career in the, in the world of professional sports when there's just, there's all the hoopla of, of the profession and, and, and the celebrity and the, um, just the status, I guess, that, that, that brings, um, where this must have been difficult or, you know, I was just thinking like, where did, maybe where did, did you find some struggles in there where, you know what, there are times are like, you know, yeah, I just kind of fit in there or, mm-hmm. or there were times like you recall, like, no, I, there were some things that I stood up here and I, I stood my ground when I felt, you know, things going away from where I felt like God would, would be honored. And so I'm just curious, like if there are some, just some stories that you remembered or any things that you recalled as you think about that. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, I can remember my freshman year, um, there was an older player named Peter Abrig. He's the one who brought me into this Bible study and everything I was talking about. And I don't know. I don't, I don't remember the setting, like what was happening. I just remember we were walking down some stairs at the facility, um, practice facility, meeting facility. And we were talking about, you know, going out, this, that, and the other. And I was like, well, are you going to go do whatever? Um, and he's like, no, no, I'm not. And he's like, you know, I mean, the reality is um, – being a believer in college football can mean that you feel real lonely at times, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, it just stuck with me. Obviously it, it came back to me, yep. you know, this, this many years later. Um, but there's a lot of truth in that. Um, and I, and I didn't always do it right by any means, you know, um, the, the biggest things are like what you were talking about, right? I mean, this isn't just for college athletes, but the, the parties and, yep. mm-hmm. and going out and doing all of that. Um, you know, at, at times when you are a professional athlete, if you put yourself in the right situation, then then yes, there are going to be women who are going to be drawn to that and, and mm-hmm. stuff. And they would have no interest in me regardless, or if it wasn't apart from the fact that I played. Um, but that was one of those things I tried to just avoid, honestly. Um, especially, you know, the last year and a half, two years in college, um, as well as uh, – in, in my pro years, I just tried, I tried to avoid those situations where, sure. um, I knew that I would not do well. Um, and, and there were times when it was lonely and there were mm-hmm. a lot of times when it wasn't, I mean, 
And, and like I said, I definitely didn't do everything perfect um, as I was growing up in that. But yeah, I mean, whether it be, okay, it's time I need to leave this party, right? Um, things are, things I can see um, that I'm getting into a position where things aren't going to go well if I stay. And so, right. so I'll just leave or man, these guys, I, I really love these guys on my team. Um, but I'm going to choose to not go hang out with them, um, uh, because I know that that's not what God's calling me to for this moment. Not, not, not to not be friends right. with those guys, but right. just don't go do this thing that they're doing. Right. And so, right. um, did that draw a reaction ever? Uh, yeah, I got teased a lot for, mm-hmm. for stuff in college, but I never, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't hurtful type stuff. At least I didn't take it that way. It yeah. was, it was, um, more just, a you know, joking around with me kind of deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, there was, there was definite reaction to that. Um, but it was one of those things I was like, no, this is, this is what I need to do, you know? And so, um, and yeah, and, I, and, and, and I, I wasn't alone. That That's what was great is yep. when I was in college, when I was in Indy, when I was in Detroit, there were, there were other men who were doing what I was doing and that, that was very helpful. Um, yeah. and, and God gave the strength for those, those moments as well. I think that's a key point there that you weren't alone. Yeah. Um, the whole idea of being in community with other guys um, is such a foreign topic to so many guys um, or just something we tend to not put ourselves into for whatever reasons as guys. Um, and But the fact that when you are in community and you have a place uh, that's safe, um, a place that you can fall back into and find that belonging, find that acceptance. Um, it's huge. I know that, um, you know, the example I was thinking of as you were talking, what, my freshman year in college, I got an opportunity to play for the national program in baseball for Canada for like their Olympic development, their national team. And so I went in not knowing anybody, um, went in excited because I'd never, ever had any opportunities before to play with that level of athlete or that, mm. that type of competition. And so then to make the team, um, it was just like almost overwhelming, but, um, there were, th- I remember there were 36 guys on the roster and, um, over the first, you know, about a month in, I realized, I don't think there's one other Jesus follower. Mm. And that year was hard. That yeah. year for me, um, I was still, I think, pretty immature. I mean, I was 18 years old. And so to face that scrutiny of, well, Braun, why aren't you coming to, to this? Um, Braun, why aren't you going to do that? And to be on a bus going to, we would travel down the West Coast to go play teams because in Canada, they, there weren't baseball teams to go play. Mm. <laughs> we had, they had hockey sticks to go grab. And, <laughs> right. But we'd have to travel into the States and travel to Washington and Oregon and California and go down there and play. And so on the bus rides, the, uh, the porn magazines getting passed around from player to player, from seat to seat. And for them to kind of, you know, want to get slapped down on my, you know, here, mm-hmm. you know, it goes from the, the row behind me and one comes over my shoulder, gets slapped down on my, on my chair. And I'm, I'm then this for me to just be like, grab the book and just keep it pa- like just to pass it on and to not engage with that. And then the, you know, then that reaction of what well, are you too good for that brawn or, you know, like, mm-hmm. But just that constant ridicule, and again, it wasn't horrible. But it was you know, at that point in your life as an eighteen-year-old, you want to be accepted, you want that belonging. And I just didn't find a place to belong in that right. community at that time. And when we're on the road, I just didn't know where to go. 
And that was the first time in my life that I ever had even a slight connection to those that people that just felt like feel that depression or that just that just I don't belong or just that feeling of, you know what, if this is life and this is how life is, I don't even know if I even like it. Like right. um, not suicidal by any means, but right. but starting to head maybe down a step in that direction. But um, But I didn't have community. I just didn't have that. I didn't have a group. And then I transferred to a, um, a faith-based school for my next three years. And my roommate, right off the bat, who I never, again, never met, but right off the bat, my roommate, and he's a, he's a Jesus follower. And to have him as a roommate for three years, mm. it was a game changer. Like mm -hmm. Now, again, most of my team, even though we were at a faith-based school, I'd say we're not Christians, but I had him. Right. And I had a couple other guys that I could always go back to at night. And we could all, I mean, the conversations we had and the community that we had, huge difference. And I ended yeah. up enjoying those three years. But that first year, after one year, I was like, I, I don't want to be, I, I, I just, I'm not going to be here anymore. Baseball was better. Opportunities were better. Mm -hmm. Had way more chances to go to the next level had I stayed there. But just didn't have, it, community was so important. So yeah, right, um, right. that just made me made me think of that. How about yeah. as as a you, you mentioned like were there any coaches or other people you mentioned like coach Dungey being like the real deal but were yeah. there people that just like you just man they set they set they just set that example like just being they're going to stand out. They're going to they're going to stand against the tide kind of guys. Uh yeah, I mean gosh. Um you know, the the, the staff in Indy when I was here was really strong. Um Clyde Christensen, who's who's yep, been around name. quite a bit, uh, loves Jesus and walks with him. Uh, Jim Caldwell, um, same thing, right? And 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 there's there's just there were several on the staff for sure who who were standing out, uh, standing apart and standing for him. And I was in Detroit. Um, one of my offensive line coaches, Jim Washburn, loves Jesus and 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 stood for him. And so. Um, Man, there's there's a lot of hard in the NFL, but there's also a lot of good too. Mm -hmm. um, at least mm -hmm. that was my experience. Good. And so it it really just you know a lot of it has to do with the leadership of the team as well, and and what do you value and, and who do you bring in. And um, I was pretty fortunate with with where I played when it comes to that. Where did you see guys that we would define more as boys um, in this in this in this time? Have the most struggle? Where were where were the what what in, where did, where was the places that you know, guys are like just prone to fitting in, yeah. and not being willing to stand against what was going on in that in that world. Were there were there, were there common things, common themes that you saw? Yeah, I think so. Um, God, there were a lot. <laughs> there were there were a lot for sure. But you know, I mean, I just I just think back to even the meeting rooms. Right, we spend a lot of time in the meeting rooms where we're watching film and mm -hmm. going over game plan stuff. Um, and just the conversations in there, right. And, and what they would be talking about, you know, whether it'd be all sorts of locker room talk, mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. and just what level of engagement are you going to be a part of when it comes to that? That was, that was probably the biggest one day in, day out. Then I wouldn't say a lot, but there were definitely guys who cheated, right. And who mm -hmm, took yep. PEDs, performance enhancing drugs, steroids, HGH, whatever. Um, and that was just one of those things that I was like, that, that really, bothered me because if they're taking that and we play the same position and yep that that's that's coming against me right yep. and so um you know and you knew that it happened and but i chose man that's that's wrong i'm not gonna 
I'm not going to engage in that. I mean, I'm going to be able to look mm. my kids in the eye and say, I, I didn't do that, you know, um, even though things could have been different, right, um, had I done it. Not, and, again, I want to be clear that I'm not saying that it was rampant or anything like that, but I knew that some guys did, yeah. um, not the majority by any means. Um, and then the, the you know, what happens out of the, the locker room, right? Um, you go to, you know, wh- wh- how are you going to spend your off time? You know, are you going to be hitting the yep. club all the time? Are you going to be in that scene? Um, what What are you doing when it comes to that? And, and man, there were there were definitely groups that I was not a part of um, that maybe I would have liked to have been a part of, um, but because I was I, I wasn't going to go do that all the time. And so, um, yeah, yep, yeah. And you were you were married at this time. Yeah, that uh, that definitely helped. I was going to say, that's got to have helped, right? <laughs> it did help, yeah. Uh, th- that was a blessing without sure. a doubt, yeah. Because yeah. otherwise, it, I mean, left to my own, um, it could have been bad for sure. Sure, yeah. yep. sure. Yeah. Let's, um, let's talk about fatherhood just for a minute before we wrap up. Um, where's in this area, you know, where have you guys found this to be the most challenging? Like I, th- I thought like, you know, being a troubler, you know, um, you know, being a, being a dad that at moments when, you know, you're feeling the culture is kind of moving in this way. And so your kids are getting pulled in that direction. And, you know, there's been some places where you've been, had to be a troubler, you know, to your kids to where you've had to say, Hey guys, um, we're not going to go with the flow here. Um, mm-hmm. things are going to be different. And you kind of felt like the bad guy, but, but you knew that was what you needed to do to lead your family. Well, yeah. um, any any examples there, or where do you find this to be most challenging to not just go with the flow and instead, um, you know, stand out? Any mm-hmm. any any examples there as being dads? Yeah, I mean, one for me was just uh, technology. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it rules our our children's lives uh, from a very early age now, as we see the iPads and the iPhones and. Uh, just watching stuff, YouTube and um, different videos and those kind of things. So uh, even even right now, my 11-year-old, he has a phone that just doesn't have any internet access. Okay. Um, he can't surf the web. He can't. He literally can make phone calls and text. Um, we, we have control over what contacts can be in his phone, what text strings he can be in, those kind of things. So it, it makes us look different. I was say, how does that compare to his friends? Yeah, you know, you you know what you get from your kids. Well, everybody else in my class has mm-hmm, this. Mm-hmm. Everybody else, do they have iPhones? They have this. There, why can't I be in this text string? So, you just have to stand firm. Uh, it makes you not be the most popular dad with your kids, and even sometimes with their friends, and maybe even their mm-hmm. friends' families who look at you and go, "Yeah, really? Why?" And even and he's at a Christian school, and we can explain our thinking sometimes and. Maybe it gets an eye roll or maybe they're just sort of nodding their heads, but you see this blank look in their eyes, not understanding why you're making that decision. Or uh, we get a lot from from people who are claiming the name of Christ that, you know, just you're doing too much. You know, you're doing too much. It doesn't you don't have to you don't have to do that. And so we're just sort of say this is where we feel called and led. And, and we think that we're putting a device in our in our child's hand that can actually be pretty dangerous if it's not used in the right manner. And uh, so, yeah, technology is one of those things where we've we've taken a stand that's doesn't flow with the culture and is relatively unpopular stance. It's definitely one of the big ones. Yeah, yeah. What about yeah. you, Dylan? Um, yeah, same same with technology. Um, you know, the just continuing, and that's a continual. Uh, 
shift in our home, like of, of how good of a job we're doing, engaging with that. And, you know, I wish it was a one-time thing and then we're done with it. Right. But then the I kids know. have to all have computers for school yep. and, mm-hmm. um, you know, all, just all the stuff. It's a continual thing. Um, and so, um, that's tough, but man, one of the things that, that we try to do, um, I, I try to do a lot is, I mean, cu- there's culture issues, right? Big culture issues. And we're in a public school, a good school system. Um, but, Man, there's there's definite culture issues that we don't agree with that are being preached in our schools, and so I just try as much as I can to get ahead of it. and And I know that I'm probably failing That's in good. some areas, but I'm trying to let the kids know, like, listen, we want to be different, mm-hmm. right? Like, your teachers are going to say this. This is what God says, and and we're just talk about the realities of of spiritual warfare a lot. Um, and, yeah. and just how it's like, man, listen, guys, you have to understand Satan is constantly trying to take you down. And and that's kind of how we approach our parenting, um, at least a lot of different areas in, in our parenting when we're talking to him about stuff and and then try to explain. And I know that, you know, shoot, 13, 11, 8, and 3, um, they don't hear all of this, but hopefully they're hearing some, right? Yep. And, and it's like, listen... The reason that we don't want you to do this is because Satan uses this in this way, right? And it teaches you this. And it's not just, oh, they didn't say inappropriate words in that show. Um, it's what's the message behind it, right? And so, right. so trying to get our kids to understand that. Even my daughter with TikTok, right? Like all her friends mm. know all the dances and she wants to know the dances. And I don't want her to feel left out of that. Um, mm-hmm. But the reality is what it does to you emotionally uh, and, and mentally is, is really harmful and dangerous, especially for right. a, a girl who's about to be a teenager. Um, right. and so, um, yeah, those are, those are some big ones and man, a, a really cool story. Um, my daughter had a, a piano recital and she's got a great t- piano teacher who loves Jesus. And, um, she pulled us aside afterwards and she was like, you know, this really cool thing happened, uh, when we were picking out songs for this, Abigail asked, um, could we do Christmas songs that focus on Jesus as opposed to some of the other ones? And, and the teacher was taken back. She's like, nobody ever says that. Um, she's like, I'm just wanted to share that with you. It's so great. And, yeah. and I was like, well, thanks. And she said to Abigail, something along the lines that nobody ever says that. And Abigail said, well, my dad tells us all the time we have to be different. And, and I was just like, man, we need to be that minority. And yeah. there you go. And, and using the words from today. And I was just like, man, that was, that was pretty neat. Yeah. Um, but that's so good. It was a pretty cool story for sure. Way to go, Dad. Awesome. Awesome. Way to go. I mean, I I love what you're saying there, Dylan, too, about getting ahead of the culture. Like, you know, we're in it, and so to speak to it, and before our kids are being taught or, you know, have those conversations on the front end, don't be reactive, but be proactive as parents and saying, hey... We're going to talk about these things. What yeah. what does God have to say about that? What do we say about it as a family? How are we going to react to that? How are we going to stand? You know, we may we may stand different. We may agree with decisions of the way things go. We may not. But just right. to but to and you're saying in there, and I've, I say this a lot. What's helped? I think what I've learned the most as a dad, being a dad as as my kids have grown, is helping them understand the why, mm-hmm. um, not just telling them because your dad says so, or because your mom says so, or just this is what we're going to do. Like, but helping them understand the why. And when they understand the why, it's like, it, it's like, it just deescalates so many situations. And so mm-hmm. 
to help them understand the why of a cultural kind of situation or here's how we're going to react before they go to school, before they enter something, you know, they've already had that conversation. So I love that proactive, you know, kind of approach. I know um, my kids being that they're young adults, you guys are a little younger. um, We entered the cell phone age when like literally it was like the cell phone age was coming of age. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it was, there was all that, but we had that art. So, you know, I don't know if we would do the exact same play, but the play we ran at the time was, you know, our kids never got phones till they were 16. Um, and we said, there's, you don't need a phone. Like, mm-hmm. but once they started driving, we wanted them to have something that if they got in an emergency or needed something, needed to call us or something like that, they'd have access to be able to do that. And so my, you know, so they had iPods that just played like music, right? At the t- mm-hmm. or the, and, and and so they still talk about how embarrassing it was hmm. to go to school with their iPods and, you know, their friends <laughs> had these phones and, you know, they're like, mom, dad, you were so embarrassing to us, but they get it now. Like we understand it. And, um, but that was just kind of like the decision we made of like, well, what's the, nece- why do you need a phone before that? You know, and, you know, and we, you know, when they came home and they were, we were together, we, you know, there were things that we gave them access to that as we discuss things and um and the same way with our what what we put on our television screens even to this you know even to this day um you know my wife has the codes to like if anything's beyond pg um like i have to ask her for access to watch a pg-13 movie and some guys people think this is ridiculous like Mm -hmm. i'm a grown man i'm 49 Mm -hmm. years old but it's just our way of protecting our home and Mm -hmm. for her protecting what we're setting our eyes on and knowing what I'm setting my eyes on. Um, it just makes her feel secure. And right. so it's not that she's like, no, you can't watch that. That's right. not, that's not what this is all about. It's just, but right. it's more of like a, a conversation and awareness, um, ahead of time. And then, you know, we agree or disagree on, or, or to, to whether to proceed with it, you know, watching something or not, or if the kids ask, like there's always a conversation and that's just kind of how we've always operated. Um, and you know, a story that I have that kind of, you see how that kind of falls into play later on is I used to always hold the remote control in my hand. So if we're watching something and it would go to commercials, cause usually commercials mm-hmm. are worse than the, the shows <laughs> half the right. time with what, and so I always, as soon as something go to commercials, I would change it to something else. And so we wouldn't watch commercials a whole lot. And so I just tried to avoid whatever, you know, that, that unpredictability of a commercial, of the commercials just in that way. And I, re- I saw later on, um, as my son started to, he would hold the remote control, that that habit kind of transferred. Hmm. And I can remember times when we'd be sitting at home and then the commercials would come on and I wouldn't. I wouldn't have the remote. He wouldn't. He just like changed the channel, like, you know, and just turn it to something else. And usually it was from one sports show to another mm-hmm. sports show. Cause that's just what we do as we, right. um, but the fact that just that transfer of, we're going to be different. And, you know, I know people would always kind of like, why are you doing that? Like why? Um, but that was just our way of just doing different things and trying to go against the flow and, and just and trying to protect our home. And again, like you said, Matt, like maybe some people think you're being a little over, over, but that was just the decision we made yeah. and, and, and to protect our home and, I think it kind of worked out. So I'm yeah. not going to, I'm not, um, I would recommend it to, to, to anyone. So, um, I was thinking too, as a ministry, we've also faced pressure, hmm. um, of, of, uh, you know, going against the flow or, or being willing to stand out or not just fitting in. And, 
you know, um, especially when we go internationally, you know, as people don't understand quite our vision, our mission, our strategy. Uh, but we get it here. We often get the question, what about mom camp? <laughs> um, there's nothing wrong with mom camp. It's just not our, what we've been called to. And, um, we, we always say like moms don't need mom camp because moms are awesome because mm. moms just naturally <laughs> are awesome at everything that there comes to being a mom. But sadly, so often moms have to be dads too yeah. because dads are bailing. And so we want to focus on, on, you know, on dad camp and, and, uh, you know, so that's kind of that thing. But then there's the other thing internationally where, um, there's always, uh, a lot of times what you'll see is a lot more kids showing up than dads, mm-hmm. um, because of the culture that so many fatherless children and this idea that when we come, there's going to, you know, cause we have a lot of fun at dad camp. It's mm-hmm. not just, um, and, and so there's this, there's this feeling of we don't want the kids to miss out on whatever you're bringing to us. And so then suddenly we have 150 kids and 20 dads or at, you know, might be a little bit of exaggeration, but you have these moments where sometimes this happens if we don't. And sometimes we kind of got to put our foot down and be like, look, kids can't just come to dad camp. Like kids come with their dad. And if they come by themselves, we're sorry, but this isn't a kid based event, not to upset them, but, um, but they're going to get, on the flip end, if we allow these kids to come without their dads, and then there's the dads that do come with their kids, and then you have these moments where we have these blessing moments, yeah. and you have 50 kids sitting in a corner watching other kids get blessed by their fathers, right. and they're just sitting there because that's this moment in the dad camp program where we do this. That is that is damaging to those those kids. That's it's hurtful, right. and so we we don't want that for those kids. So we want to you know. So that's part of the reason why we like we we say hey like dad you know. Dads and kids only, dads and kids only. But we always feel like we're having these hard conversations there where we're upsetting them or they're not understanding our strategy. But we've had to say, look, we're going to stand out. We're going to be different. We run a different play and be okay with that because right. of the mission and vision of just, you know, of reaching fathers. But I just thought of that too, of, of, of times when in, in, in sometimes in, like in business or in ministries or mm-hmm being, you know, willing to stay in your lane when they, maybe that's not what the culture thinks is, is, right, is, is right. what you should be doing. So let yeah. me just emphasize too, guys, that, uh, as a reminder to us, but also to our listeners, like we're talking about these decisions, they're, they're hard. You know, we're saying like, Hey, do this and do that and stand for what's right and stand against the culture. Uh, but let's not forget, you know, you're, pro- you may be listening to us and saying, yeah, but that's hard. Right. It is hard. Exactly. That's why not everyone will look like this because it is the more difficult situation. And as human beings, we don't like to feel uncomfortable. Uh, we would rather sort of go with the flow. We'd like to fit in. We don't want people necessarily talking about us behind our backs, uh, rolling their eyes at us, maybe not getting invited to some of the things that we'd like to be a part of. Um, but you guys also brought up great points that God will bring community to you. Mm. Um, I have a network of guys that includes both of you and many other men that God's brought into my life that it may feel lonely because those guys aren't with me necessarily at times that I'm making the stand, but I, but they're with me though. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys understand yep. what I'm saying. They're with yep. me. I know that when I make that stand, um, that's unpopular that I have Dylan Gandy and I have Jason Braun and I have Jeremy Robinson and I have James Dix and I can go on and on with these names, but I know that those guys, even though they're not present with me, are standing with me. And so make sure that's why God gives us community and says it's so important that it helps you even in those times when you feel like you're alone, you've got Christ with you, but you've also got other men and community standing around you that you know are supporting you in those moments, even when they're not with you. 
Yeah, no doubt. Good word. Well, the final, like just final challenge here as we wrap up is um, a couple of quotes I, I thought were strong in the book. He said, never allow the majority to dictate your beliefs and actions. Mm. I think that's kind of what you just said there, Matt, was, you know, it's, yeah, it's going to be hard, but, you know, but there are things that we need to stand our ground on as leaders of our homes and uh, to love well, to serve well, and that are just going to look a little countercultural and just going to look a little different. Um, but being willing to do that and, and to be setting that example for, uh, for our families. So I, I thought that was just a strong kind of, kind of saying, never allow the majority to, to dictate your beliefs and actions. And then he said, waiting for a bad situation to resolve itself rather than handling it right away always results in more pain. Mm. And I, I wrote that down just because of some, I've kind of two current situations in my life where, um, I, tr I, in one, um, actually in, in both, we, we, there was the attempt to handle it right away, but there was uh, the, on the other end, there was a request for some more time or let me work on this kind of, kind of response, mm -hmm. which just made the situation start, you know, lengthening out to where now months later that it's still not resolved and now it's more painful mm. than had we just said at the time like hey let's just let's just kind of nip this in the butt right now let's talk right. about it let's deal with it and uh and then let's move and let's move on but the fact that we didn't mm. now there's just it, it, time has created more there's just more woundedness there's more there's more casualties. Mm -hmm. There's more, and it it's, it gets just it just resulted in more pain. So I just would highly recommend you know in, in your in your parenting of your kids or in your marriage or in your relational world that you know when things get hard, um, resolve those things quickly. Yeah. Um, resolve those things quickly. Don't think that just it'll go away. It'll get mm. better. It, it really won't. It's right. just um, the woundedness won't go away until there's, you know, there's healing there. So um, anything else for you guys as we, as we wrap up, any final thoughts, finally, any, like we say, always final 10%. Uh, only thing I had was uh, it, it struck me something that Dylan said about leaving certain situations. And he said you were in, in college and one of the scriptures that we've uh, taken that the author takes from this book is talking about, I think it's in first Corinthians. It's about standing firm, you know, being courageous. Um, and that's what we're talking about, standing up against things. But uh, God's word also says to flee from evil. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times it's run, right? Yep. Run from this situation, get myself out of this situation yep. right now. I see wickedness. I see sin. I see evil. I see something bad coming and uh, sometimes it means just get yourself out of the situation. So that was just something that stood out to mm. me. We're talking about standing firm and being courageous. And that, and that also sometimes means uh, the courage is to run and flee from something that that's, you shouldn't be a part of. I think, too, they, there's, this, there's that scripture that people, I think, well, they misinterpret it, um, where they say, you know, God will never give you more than you can handle. That's actually specifically in the area of temptation. Mm -hmm. Like he'll never, he'll always give you a way out. Of, of that of temptation it's right. it, but people make that glorious kind of statement god right. will never give you more than you can handle but it's in the that specifically was written and so there's always a way out and right. the way out is run right <laughs> <Yeah>. you know <laughs> depart from it move right. away from it like there's always a way out of those places that can take you down sure where satan's trying to take you out so um but yeah Dylan, anything else man i would just um without getting too much into that i I know there's dads out there who are discouraged about our culture, 
right? Um, I'm, I'm one of them and, and I can get too wrapped up in that at times, I think. Um, and I'm not even talking about just one area of our culture or one issue, just, just in general. Mm-hmm. It feels like we continue to move as a culture further and further from, from the Lord. Um, yeah. and man, this, this quote that you put here, never allow the majority to dictate your beliefs and actions. Um, I just want to, that was, when I read this, that was really impactful for me. And so I just want to encourage those dads out there, you know, Matt talks about it all the time. Like we are not of this culture and and we're not of this world and, Mm -hmm. and don't live in fear with that when it comes to your kids, because I think that that's the big, the big difficulty, right? Is, is yeah. Okay. I know where I'm at, but my children, right. And so, um, the reality is even 30 years ago, we think that it was better, um, or, or whatever. But the reality is people still knew Jesus or they didn't. Right. right. Um, whether, whether we're doing this in school or whatever, it's, do you know Jesus or do you not? And so, um, I just want to encourage those dads to, to continue to focus on pouring into your kids, um, to the best of your ability. Right. So God will honor it. It's good. Yep. It's good good stuff. Yes. Well, as we always say, uh, you have what it takes dads. So go do whatever it takes. To, to be the best, strongest father that you can be. We appreciate you listening. And uh, just a couple of announcements just for you dad camp guys, um, as we are in the new year, that March 18th will be our big registration day for uh, for the majority of our, in, of our United States-based events. Uh, we do have some spring events uh, that'll have registration opening before that. But March 18th, you want to mark your cal- calendars down for that. If you are a dad camp army member, Remember that uh, if you've uh, if you're an active member, uh, that you will get uh, access to uh, some an earlier registration date, and we will get you uh, information on that will be coming. So so be looking for that. And we've got new locations this year. Uh, we have added a fourth location in Indiana, so that'll be awesome. So we're gonna have four amazing places in Indiana to to do dad camp. We have a new location in Ohio that we are super pumped up about. Uh, we have mentioned Florida over the past couple of episodes, and unfortunately, we, uh, we've we had to push pause on that one. Uh, that was supposed to be in February, but that is, uh, been, that's put on hold for now. But we are working on dad camp Hawaii. I'm in. Yeah. Hawaii, Done. guys. <laughs> Yeah, the island of Kauai, where they make Jurassic Park movies, oh, wow. uh, is where uh, we're talking mm. about March. Actually, the weekend of March 18th, our big registration day, that's actually right now going to be Dad Camp Hawaii. Amazing. Um, in that space. So uh, that is 90% sure. So, um, But we're, we're working on the final details with that. And then, of course, um, a great way to start the year and, and just be as if you're in the Indiana, uh, Illinois areas, um, is dad camp fuel. It's just mm-hmm. an annual, uh, breakfast, 90 minute breakfast event. So if you got friends, it's low key, low committal, just 90 minutes Saturday morning. And we're going to get you out of there by eight 30 before the day starts and you have all your other stuff going on. So, but a great way to, to hear two great, just short talks about being a dad, have some worship, hear more about the dad camp ministry. Um, those dates are, are, we're still working on those as well, but they'll be in February and, and early March before registration day. So be looking for, for dad camp fuel events, uh, coming if you are in the Midwest, uh, region. So that's all we got, guys. Thanks. Yep. Dylan, again, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Thank um, you. Busy guy. It's fun to have you and, and uh, just be a chance to encourage dads. And I know that you share that same uh, you share that same passion. And so we've we've been Matt and I've been talking for a while about gotta get Dylan on there because yes. I think guys would yeah. love to hear his story. And you know, obviously, 
Uh, like I said, you you want to see dads find Jesus and and uh, lead their families well, like we do. So uh, we're just thankful for for being well, with thanks, us Thanks, guys. I had a blast. I appreciate it. So, awesome. Awesome, guys. We will see you again uh, in February for the next edition of the Dad Nation podcast. Take care and have an awesome day. <laughs>